pick, pick a, a cool, cool space thing. thing. I'm so not a science minded at all. I don't know what any no, of these things I'm just going to go which one sounds cooler. Okay, cool. Magnetic clouds. Oh, I'm going to go for wormholes. That sounds fun. What do you look for in a companion? Obedience. <laughs> Lol. And analytical mind. I work alone. Mm-hmm. Um, courage, confidence, empathy. Yeah. Oh, ha. Oh. Good hair and empathy. Oh, which one's more important? <laughs> Pick an alien. Maybe we should go for different ones just to get That's true, actually. Okay, I'll go for yeah. her. Um, I'm just preempting <laughs> us getting Amy Pond somehow on a quiz about the doctor. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you are. Which Amy Pond. Pond. Is mundane and relevant? Oh, like oh my god! That's me. You do yours. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay, don't tell me who you've got. I'm gonna do. You do the intro to the show, and then we talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Soup and Flow Show, where we look at everything from TV shows to relationships with 2020 vision. This series, we're discussing Doctor Who. In today's episode, we're talking about our favourite Doctor and the most recent series of Jodie Whittaker, and we're unpacking masculinities and gender politics in the TARDIS. So, so which, which Doctor are you, according to BuzzFeed? just done a quiz, um, like we do on previous episodes, to find out what Doctor we are. We've chosen very different things. Um... <laughs> I'm marginally offended by who. <laughs> I haven't read the explanation yet. Um, who who did you get? Did you get? I got the eleventh Doctor. That's As well, me. yeah, same. We I... chose completely different answers. These uh, this thing is rigged. <laughs> I Who think... think... loves the eleventh Doctor and Amy Pond? I just... I agree. I think there's a definite bias to whatever is going on here because perhaps like literally anything you choose, you're going to end up with Matt Smith. And also, Amy Pond. do you know? So one of the questions was pick a time. And one of the times was 11-11. And I was like, well, obviously I'm not choosing that. I chose um, bedtime and you chose... Tea time. Best meal of the day. So, should we read the explanation? Yes. You are a bouncy, childlike doctor with lots of social quirks. Um, I mean, I'm childlike, I guess. And an inexpressible... Inexpressible? Inexplicable. Yeah, you say that word. Passion (laughs) for fezzes. I hate fezzes. Yeah, whenever we ever want to... (sighs) Um, but when left alone, you tend to plunge into self-criticism. Um, hmm, yeah, maybe, I mean, for that, that's true. Maybe. I feel very seen. Um, so it's lucky that you have a strong social network to keep your pecker up. What does that even mean? What? <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I feel like, again, we have a lot to take out with BuzzFeed, which we'll do outside this podcast. Okay, should we find out who we're writing to um, BuzzFeed? Yeah, we should probably keep them Robin back. Wilder. Right, we're coming for you. <laughs> um, so this episode is all about, uh, yeah, the doctor, the doctor, I guess. Doctor and himself. I think this is a great one to end on, yeah, as well for us. Um, so favorite doctor? Are you asking? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Dotan, uh, strong favorite. I think Chris Jefferson was underrated, um, and I really like the Thirteenth Doctor. Actually, I think. Like she's really growing on me, so I think there's some sort of triangle of those three Ooh, would be. Excellent. Yeah, I was reading actually. I, I loved Christopher Eccleston. I remember when Christopher Eccleston quit and being so upset. I was like, "You can't do that. Who could possibly replace him?" And mm. I was reading on Wikipedia that there were 
like he, um, he was afraid of being typecast, but like the BBC were never supposed to tell us that. Like that was. Um, yeah, so I was doing some research on Twitter and recently came about that. Like there was a lot of toxicity on the show itself. Mm, really? Um, and he left for various reasons. I don't, I think there's a lot of, I couldn't find the exact kind of clear cut reason, but I think it was something a lot worse than wanting to be typecast. So the BBC like, made up this like nonsense reason. And yeah, and ah. as a result of that, I think he wanted to, and it, many years later it sort of came out, I think he wanted to leave because he didn't want to be a part of that show anymore. Mm. I think I think it must have been something else. There was also a recent interview with him about how he was dealing a lot with um, uh, an eating disorder at the time of oh, filming really? that show. Um, so I think there was multiple factors of him looking but I thought he was a fantastic doctor. Yeah. Um, I would have been interested to see how they continue that relationship with the doctor after they'd kissed and how that had happened mm. with with Christopher Eccleston. Um, yeah. But yeah, we sorry. Yeah. It it was good while last night. I think he did a great job. Um yeah. Um and I think I think we mentioned it in another episode, but like the his gravitas and his like he's a serious actor and how that worked very well for the kind of like place he came in after the time war, um, the kind of that acting that place of trauma, um, and it would have been really really interesting to see how that could have been developed when like Rose was in the TARDIS with him, and it would have been really interesting to see that, and um, it's, I feel like that's a real shame that we never got to see that, but also I I was obsessed with David Tennant when I was a kid, I was absolutely I think it was like a a weird kind of thing of like I think I want to be you yeah as well as also like ultimate queer mood yeah yeah I think it was a real like um I don't know if it was a confidence or the campness or something that like felt like such a departure from yeah Eccleston's that like you related to him in a very different way mm. um and also the dynamic of him and Rose I thought was quite interesting I think it also became a bit more established because mm. the whole um with uh, Chris Ferguson's Doctor and Rose, it was sort of like, oh, I don't know, they're not, they're just sort of really close friends at this stage. Yeah. And there was a lot of it, when that series ended, it sort of felt like a definite, like, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, no, that's really interesting um, how the, it came to the end of that season and, some, and they just weren't shy anymore about being like, yeah, this is a romantic thing. Like, it's obviously never going to work with those that's constantly implied and hinted at and especially around the idea of like what does what does that even look like for the doctor in terms of domesticity is not a thing for him like he's never going to settle down and that interesting like how that's like an adventure for him to be able to settle down and have and and he's like oh you'll you'll be able to like have that life that I'll never be able to have like yeah and I think when you mention that that's kind of interesting when you think about the at journey's end there was another doctor sort of created Mm. um like uh, 10.5 or whatever like the other mm. doctor um how yeah how i don't know i wonder how jealous like or how resentful yeah. i'd feel knowing that like this other like this twin of mine is living my best life yeah. and living a life i can never have with like the woman i love like but do you think that the doctor would be happy in that life i don't think so like what would he do in that to like make himself feel like the savior and like you know what I mean? Yeah, I think a, a lot of, at least how I'm reading him as a character, needs the exhilaration and the adrenaline and that kind of, like, yeah. lifestyle of, like, 
constantly being on the edge of the world ending or, or something exploding to, yeah. to kind of feel fulfilled and I'd, yeah I don't know if he could have done the domesticity yeah um, um, and that is the most human doctor of all the ones I mean I don't know Chris really? Capaldi and Jodie Whittaker very well at all but I would say in mm. that trio of Chris Eccleston, Matt Smith, David Tennant, he's the most human one. He's really? the one with most empathy. He's the one that, like, Matt Smith has this, like, weird alienness to him that he's really good at conveying and, like, this I think he has a very different type. Like, he has an ex- ex- eccentricity that's mm. read, that can be read as a- the alienness. Of. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I think, um, I don't know if it was the Rose relationship that really humanised mm. him. And, like, he did some things where he came to see Jackie and he came to see Mickey yeah. and there was the he started to have roots yeah, within, that's true. you know, beyond Rose as a companion within yeah. the world. And you sort of saw that when you began to meet Sarah Jane and whatever. Yeah. Whereas I think prior to that, he was very much drifting. Yeah. Alone. And he, like, his relationship to humans in the Christopher Eccleston, it's a very, like, arrogant one. It's just, like, something very uncomfortable about the way Christopher Eccleston Doctor relates to humans. The For me, that's, like, for me, that's his alienness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, yeah, for... Matt Smith, I can't remember exactly what it is I'm even talking about, but with David Tennant, is that his relationship to humans that he does see it? It seems to me like it's much more as equals and not as like condescending arrogance towards them of like, you know, why am I even bothering? Who are these people? Like, it's like, almost like um, parent and child, like, oh my god, you're fucking up again. Yeah. Set the world on fire. I have to come <laughs> in as opposed to maybe seeing the complexities of humanity, which mm. maybe having Rose or a closer relationship with Rose than maybe before allows him to access yeah yeah um, um and, and the fact that he's he's a younger actor like he, he got progressively younger and younger and i remember that being a big thing at the time yeah and i think that's interesting of what dynamic that brings into it and then if you also have a love interest in the show just how much more human that that makes you like if you're a really like old actor there's just this kind of alienness of like just like a completely different generation to the who's watching it that that just like automatically has in a way. Mm. And I think that was kind of interesting about then that bridge between Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi. Mm. Um, what's interesting is Peter Capaldi's been on the show before, and uh, oh, of course, Fires Pompeii. Yeah, Fires Pompeii, excellent. And I like that kind of um, thing. They do that a lot with a lot of the characters mm. where they've. The companions, I think, in the past have either been in the show and some some extra. Mm-hmm. So Amy was... Was Amy also in The Fires of Pompeii? Yeah, she was one of the soothsayers. Yes, soothsayers. Yeah. Um, Martha was in... Um, is that Torture Tower? When he got, uh, um, of course. So, yeah, she was one of the cyborgs. The yes, seven, yeah. and I think they explained that way as her cousin. Yeah, um, oh, his Yeah. <laughs> so sweet. Um, um, who else was in there? A couple of tortured characters that kind of get made, explained. Yeah, so like um, Tosh, I think. Yeah, seen. and um, Gwen. Gwen. Um, um, who am I? Um, I can't think what I'm thinking about, but there was definitely. Oh no, it was a duff, another time a time lady mm-hmm. that was in the old series who, the the new actress who played her had mm-hmm. already been in Doctor Who, and the way they explained that was like, oh, I decided what I wanted to look like, and I remember this person from a while back, and I just like just chose that as my th- as my new. Yeah, I think that's sort of how they maybe really subtly alluded to Peter Capaldi mm. where they were like I remember this face or something like that or I've seen this uh, face before I but I remember it. there being a tiny little nod to, to mm. that um, do you have any doctors that you didn't really engage with um, that just didn't definitely the old old doctors um, there are some that I'm just like I'm not fans of I couldn't off the top of my head 
Um, but in the revival, the revival, so. I've I've never really connected with Patricia Capaldi, but I've never really given them the chance because I refuse to watch any more Stephen Moffat as a showrunner episodes, and I'm just done, and I've reached my capacity. And well, mm. oh, I'm sorry, Peter, I'm so sorry, but um, I'm never going to see any of your episodes. I I think I got the same that kind of like Moffat fatigue mm. of like these kind of really long winded self congratulatory episodes and like kind of storylines that the payoff wasn't in there for me mm. and um, I think it'd be really interesting to see I would have liked to have seen um, maybe another showrunner writing the 11th Doctor and also Peter Capaldi yeah. I think I did actually Peter Capaldi and Bill Potts when that sort of duo came in it felt a bit refreshing because yeah. um, I think the, the character Bill Potts brought a very different energy and mm. I could sort of see Peter Capaldi's Doctor in a very different light and it Again, I think I know what I like. I like that kind of Scooby-Doo format mm. of like one bad yet episode, maybe a bit of a story arc. And it, for me, it felt a little bit like that. There were a bit more bite-sized episodes I could yeah. engage with. Um, do you want to go to an ad break? Yeah, what are we advertising? So, moving very swiftly on for a minute to our ad break. This week, we are sponsored by my pumpkin katsu curry which I had and has given me a lot of energy for, for right now. Same. What are you sponsored by? I'm sponsored by the water cooler because I'm very hydrated today. I'm feeling not as anxious as I usually would and I would like to thank water for that. Mm. The water cooler has been a very good friend. Yeah. And we didn't mention this in previous podcasts, but I think that water cooler did sponsor both the second episode and a little bit of the third. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, thank, thanks guys. And we're not saying where the carrot katsu curry came from because we're, we're still not actually for a sponsorship. We're hoping yeah. for a sponsorship deal. So if you if you gave us that katsu curry, get in touch. Exactly, and you know who you are. Yeah. Um. So, jumping back into this episode, have you seen anything with the Thirteenth Doctor? Because I have a lot I want to talk about on this. I've seen one episode with her. Um, and it was an episode. I think it was a Christmas episode, and somebody had been chopped up and put in boxes and scattered to four corners of the earth and mm-hmm. I um you don't know what I'm talking no, about. No I don't I don't know what I'm talking on. about. Okay. okay. Um and we just looked up the I was just like looking it up and refreshing my memory and I saw a photo of her and I was like, She's so fit, why have I not been um watching this episode before? So now I'm introducing a new segment called Florence's Thirst Strap <laughs> and he does list all the characters you think are really hot. Um yeah, I really like Jodie Whittaker's take on the on the doctor. And I think for me it felt as someone who had really taken a step back from the show, yeah, I'm diving straight back in. Like, Amazing. not only is she, like, there's a lot of, like, maybe Tenant-esque vibes mm. in the way that I think she's acting and presenting, but in a in a really different way. I don't know. I, I'm i really excited by what's yeah. happening at this do season. They, do they acknowledge the fact that it's a different gender, or do they just yes, go with it? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. There are some, there are some like... Um, conversation where she was like oh when I used to be a man or something and the companions sort of like maybe a man will stop and then that's it but there's never in like a explicitly let me explain this but the diagram that's good I'm a bit worried about that yeah I I wonder yeah I think at times it feels a bit on the nose but actually sometimes it's okay Um, I think it's quite playfully done and sort of quite matter of fact it's I think this season, and I know some people have criticised it for being woke, um, which I saw in a recent article. I don't think it is. I think it's actually quite refreshing. And for me, what? it's like... So, 
there are for the first time i think there are three companions plus Whoa. the doctor and for me i'm like that must be a packed tardis yeah but actually it really works because they all bring in such different energy oh, and there's so cool. there's um ryan yaz and i've forgotten the white guy's name um oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you could Google it, I'm sure it'll come back to me. I'm gonna be screaming it, but um, I really love them as a duo. They're like, they're funny and they really get on. Um, they all bring such different things. It's a great diverse cast. It's the first time I've seen a cast that is as, like, kind of, maybe, Graham. Graham, of course, Graham. Oh, um, Bradley Walsh. Yeah, it's Bradley Walsh. Oh, I know. The chase of Bradley Walsh. Exactly. It's so weird. <laughs> and, but it works. And they all have like a really good dynamic. They also still, what I was worried was um, them not kind of being hot eyes at the doctor or being mm. as like um, trusting of her authority. Mm. And actually they still do. Like as a trio, they still like be like, what do you think? She's the one in charge. It's her ship. She's the driver. Mm, amazing. Um, and okay. I, I'd like to see more of that because I think there's a lot of like um, in some space the doctor sort of walks in, he's automatically in charge. Yeah. How does that translate when, you know, with the thirteenth doctor? So yeah. I, I found that quite interesting. Is, I, um, yeah. I was just gonna ask: Is there like a kind of implicit queerness to her because of the man mm. woman kind of the way she dresses? Like. Yeah, I think that androgynous is definitely a style of dress, and I really like that. I I think I'm reading her as quite asexual. Like, mm. I don't get any romantic... I think that that's why I'm enjoying the series a lot more as yeah. well, because there isn't necessarily a romantic um, storyline mm. within that. And I think, for me, that's really interesting, because now it's just about a couple of mates trying to save Amazing. the world. Oh, that's so and fun. that, for me, I think, has really brought back, like, my love for Doctor mm. Who. Um, so... I feel like it'd be a good point to now to talk about gender in the TARDIS. Yes. Yeah. I like, have a couple of fun facts about, about Jodie. Yeah, about the second doctor and then I think it'll be a good good point to jump on to. Um so this the showrunner now is Chris Chibble Chibnall. Chibnall. I'm not saying that right. But Chris Chibnall also did Broadchurch, which David Tennant was in. Mm. Um, I don't know if you watched that. No. Um and the executive producer is Matt Stevens, who wrote Misfits. Did you ever watch Misfits on Channel 4? Excellent show. And I really like... Um, yeah, I I don't know if I see that kind of styling, but for me, when I was like, ah, oh, they, they've done this and now they're doing this. Mm. Um, another thing I wanted to maybe mention before we quickly jump onto gender in the TARDIS is... It's interesting that this season moved away from the primetime Saturday slot to a Sunday slot. It moved away from the Christmas special mm. slot to the New Year's slot. Um, I don't know if that was preemptive mm. or what that actually meant in the grand scheme of things. I think that definitely... Um, I feel like I make an extra effort to give my little rating on BBC iPlayer uh, and be like, I'm making a difference. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that is interesting. But also, I feel like it has been dropping in popularity it has, for a yeah, while. But why didn't they do that in like Peter Capaldi's last yeah, season? Yeah, it's like, very suspicious you know what that I mean? happened when the woman um, was... And I think, I mean, I I think Stephen Moffat drove those rings into the ground. And now there's a whole lot of heavy lifting. And if it doesn't work, I think they'll write it off as the mm. fact it was a woman. Um, that's my kind of conspiracy theory worry. Yeah, that I can see that. I can see that. But yeah, like, you know, the whole uh, child doctors being able to, as you say, like, drop in, drop out. 
And so, like, Stephen Moffat, like, you have to really invest a lot of, like, time and mental space trying to understand what on earth's going mm. on. Um, what do you think of, um, yeah, of gender in the TARDIS? And, like, the way so, the Doctor has traditionally maybe embodied, man- like, masculinity? Mm. So I was, I was really interested in thinking through kind of, like, masculinity as kind of reflected in his alienness and his kind of the arrogance and the kind of way he then treats humans and like what what masculinities are we seeing in the different doctors and what models of masculinity and then what happens if when the it's often the female companion that's charged with kind of bringing the empathy into the TARDIS and teaching him empathy and like that gendered dynamic and then your knowledge also of Jodie Whittaker and like does that do anything of that or does it not really exist in the same way mm, I think that's really interesting I agree with the the gendered nature of the companions um, like previously when like you've seen Chris Darkson's Doctor I think it's a great example of it as well as David Tennant's Doctor where the companion has always been the one to like you know be like look you're going too far or you need to be a little bit nicer or you've got to have some sort of empathy or like they've been that kind of that bar mm. for him and I don't know how much does that serve as a plot device again or like yeah what's the gender nature of that per- of that character being the kind of empathy meter yeah. for, for essentially toxic masculinity that mm. can't manage it itself that you have to yeah. outsource yeah um, and that burden to then be placed on them to have to be this constant voice of reason. Mm. Um, you sort of see it when, um, do you know the episode that Donna's first episode where she's getting married, um, and getting married. Yeah, she was going to get married to this guy. What? It was her first episode, and he crashed the wedding, and she turned up in a wedding dress. Oh, of course. And she was, and she was like, "What? The runaway bride? Yeah, runaway bride. That was it." And um, oh, I completely forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, it was. That was the first time we saw her, and it's again that throwback to a companion being someone you've already met in mm. some way. Um, but yeah, there was a speak. There was a scene down there where there's you know the spidery arachnid. Oh yeah, um, and he was like killing her, and he was going too far. She's like, "Doctor, doctor, you can stop now." And mm. then he was like, sort of broken out of that spell. I think that was a really good example of ways of constantly having to check in on stopping him going too far. Um, of being, yeah. yeah, of the way that I think Rose also had to do it in um, with when they first saw that Dalek, and mm. she was like, "It's scared," or "It's this," yeah. or like having to be that voice of mm. of reason no yeah and there have been I can't think of specific examples but I can really th- hear lines in my head being like please let's go back oh Fires of Pompeii when um, Donna oh, is like come on let's go back and save them we can save them the Peter Cobbley just family one. just one yeah. yeah yeah I think that yeah I think that's a really great example and you see you see them constantly like I wonder I wonder how far his masculinity would go mm. and that toxicity and that kind of, the, these unhealthy patterns, these mm. destructive patterns, if there wasn't a companion of yeah. sorts to, to kind of provide a sounding board yeah, and, a, and a check. But I kind of, I also then really love the way the Captain Jack interacts with the Doctor in terms of like the kind of sexual, slightly sexual flirtatious nature and that, like the funness of that is yeah. not like serious. I, think, I yeah. really love that. I really love that, that element that Captain Jack brings in. Definitely, I think um, I think it was a really nice bar written. The the one, it, like for me, that lovely example at the end where I think 
parting of ways to the very last episode of season one mm. when Captain Jack's off to go fight the Daleks yeah. and he kisses both of them. I love like, that. That's a really wholesome yeah. thing. Like, because up until that point, any time a guy comes on the TARDIS, this is a very heteronormative way of reading him, which which is so explicitly said because Christopher and um, the Doctor immediately is like, oh, your boyfriend. It's like, these guys have had like, one conversation. They're not dating. Like, chill. You're very jealous right now. Chill the <laughs> fuck out. Um, you don't need to assert your dominance here. You're already very... You have a lot of knowledge. You're already very dominant in situations. But do you think he does that in places where he has control as well? Like, I, he invites Adam on because therefore he's still in charge, though. Mm. So it's places he can control these interactions. Also, he doesn't necessarily see Jack as a massive threat in the same way because I think well Jack also fancies me mm. so it's you know and then he therefore he neutralises a lot yeah, of these that's things true. To, but I still in and he controls it by taking Rose away from Mickey and not necessarily intentionally he didn't invite him at one point but there are lots of ways of way Inter- it's interesting the decisions he makes to get Rose where she is and and it's so interesting going back to what we were saying in an earlier episode of like at one point there was supposed to be this whole storyline of like the doctors like manipul- literally manipulated in Rose's entire life of like what elements of that kind of manipulation is still present in that and like and could be read as that yeah, yeah I think it's very interesting this conversation has reminded me um talking about kind of masculinity and toxic masculinity and then the TARDIS also being read as kind of a female companion of the time my um my university boyfriend and I went to a costume halloween party dressed as the doctor and the tardis and it like i'm like i'm so grossed out to remember this but i'm like oh yeah that was something i once did i'm just trying to find the photo now nice i once dressed up as we went to the doctor experience and i did like a femme version of i think it was the 11th doctor because i had a bow tie and i had like the tweed jacket but like a dress as well um, I didn't have any pictures and like a trench coaty kind of thing, which That's was it was sort so of like a crossover gross. between ten and eleven. Mm, um, I dressed, I did exactly. Sorry, yeah, and it's. I think it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever dressed up as a character of a TV show that I know, but it was nice where like you wear certain things that are a nod mm. to to those. Yeah, I went for a long phase of being really into wearing Converse mm. because I was obsessed with O'Tan. Yes. And I also went through a bow tie phase, but I was thinking that was more a queer thing than a Matt Smith thing. Yes, I think that's sound. Um, one thing I was thinking about that we haven't touched on yet is um, the master. Yeah, the master. Oh, I love John Simmons, the master. I love those episodes. I thought that him and David Tennant played off each other so well. And John Simmons is such a perfect choice for the master. I- I definitely agree. I think, um, yeah, Johnson X and like there's a real evilness, and I don't know how he embodies that. Mm. Where like you, they're such an antithesis of like David Tennant, like yeah. Johnson, like both very, very great actors in their own in their yeah. own right. And, like I've seen jo- I so I know Johnson from uh, Life on Mars, which is another time in Life on Mars, excellent show. Yeah, um, and, and they're Shakespearean actors too. They both do, do a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah. And um, to then, yeah, seeing this, I think, really, like, um, just constantly seething and angry. Like, yeah. you really, like, almost, yeah, Wait, I could really... Because um, they both get very... Yeah, they're they both do, seething they, people. When they see each other, yeah, yeah, I think there's definite anger with him. But definitely John Sim. Like, mm. but the way I was, the way that Miles was meant to be this sort of 
hyper aggressive reactionary person that like can go off at any given second mm. i already got that compare that to when maybe missy missy i just came across as a little bit eccentric rather than for me really potentially dangerous mm. um i never saw any of the episodes but that's well it's also just, do you think that like any of the kind of changing the gender is there anything around yeah, that? Yeah, maybe maybe I'm actually reading it in, t- in that way, potentially. Um, I was actually quite excited about the idea of gen- like changing the gender. I think Missy and Peter Capaldi had a really good dynamic. Um, well, Peter Capaldi's doctor. Um, yeah, I think they had a great dynamic. I'm just, I'm not sure how... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how... One, I don't think... We'd only really we hadn't really known the master that long, whereas we'd known the doctor for mm. at least a season or so longer. Um, so you sort of be able to connect the dots, whereas I don't think I'd known the master long enough to figure that out. Um, and then in the most recent series, we see the master regenerated again. Um, yeah, and I find that interesting. I am. I haven't made a full opinion on it yet because I've only um, it's only been two episodes I think I'd like to see how it plays out even more um, but for me I think Jonathan really encapsulated mm. that kind of on like kind of the edge of like destroying everything yeah. to like being then, okay and like talking to you and having a good conversation yeah, like you're only a trigger here or madness to it yeah. like, I don't remember the episodes that well but I remember him having a kind of madness like yeah, oh. there was a yeah, there was a definite like intensity to the yeah. way that was delivered. And I thought that the way they did they when they first introduced the master for an audience that has no idea who he is and the whole like the Derek Jacobi episode and Professor Yana, do you remember those episodes oh, yes. and you're not alone yeah. and how when the face of Bo is like you're not alone and the whole it's really I thought that Russell Theory's built up so well to like explain who the master is and me like and hint that like the doctor's not the only time Lord left and uh, yeah, I, I felt again. I think when we're looking at these story arcs, they're quite simple story arcs. All you're doing is introducing a new character and you're yeah. saying that you're not the only Time Lord. But those seeds are planted very easily mm. throughout. So therefore, it feels like oh my goodness. Yeah. Whereas something really complicated and convoluted, like the the cracks in the oh, like what yeah. even was that? Did, was that even resolved? Like. What, well, what caused I it? Think was it, it the was TARDIS resolved, the fact that neither of us remember. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, but why did the TARDIS explode? So that clearly, like, There's just so many yeah, moving so many unanswered parts questions. to, like, yeah, um, to that. Where... And speaking of kind of simple plot devices that are expanded over a series, the um, the watch, the pocket watch, that holds a Time Lord's personhood, yeah. and Professor Yana opens it, the Derek Jacobi master, and that's introduced earlier in the Human human Blood, Human human Nature and yeah. Family of Blood episodes. And I really like that in the way that, like, one, it's a nice, it's like an Easter egg for regular viewers. But if you didn't watch that thing, it doesn't, it's not completely integral to the plot. You sort of do get the idea yeah. that, like, okay, well, clearly he's just reignited his, like, personhood through opening up the yeah. the watch or whatever. And you don't need the backstory yeah, to, you, like, to... Because it's not all about, like, Stephen Moffat is so into his cleverness and it. So he, like, loved that kind of thread. And he was like, oh, the thread itself is the story. And it's like, and Russell T. Davies... He was such a good storyteller. It was more like, no, like actually, the East episode has its own story, but let's like plant, plant these seeds to like, there's still a bit of yeah. intrigue. You're still the things I are being think explained. I think in terms of like access routes to Doctor Who, and I think that's when we're talking about how we access Doctor Who. Mm. You watched the first and the last, and then you went back and watched stuff in between. I missed a couple episodes, but then I went back and watched mm. the first straight out. People access 
shows like this in very different ways and very different yeah. parts. So the more complicated and wrapped up it is, yeah. the harder I find it to unwrap and actually get into in the first place. And, and that again is a very personal point of view. Yeah, but, but also then it like for me like questions like how good at your writing that you kind of like. It always feels like you're trying to hide like how the, these aren't actually very good stories. You need to make it so convoluted and like almost distract. It makes me think you yeah. think you're very clever, but actually you're just like trying yeah. to hide. That I, actually, yeah, this I totally. Yeah, good. there's very like poorly written stuff that's hidden away from like just like smoke and mirrors. Exactly. Exactly. Um, do we have anything else to add on to the theme of the Doctor and, yeah, masculinities and the TARDIS and gender? I think it's quite a big subject. It is a big subject, and I feel like there's so much to dig into, but, like... I think I think we've covered a lot of yeah. it. I would really recommend watching the, the most recent series. Even For me, it felt, like, so refreshing, and yeah. I think you start... Falling in love with the Doctor in a very different way. Okay. No, um, I mean, now I know how fit she is. Yeah, I mean, that was the main thing, yeah. And there's a great scarf, great outfits. um, And it feels like the Scooby-Doo gang all over again. Amazing. So yeah, just to say, thank you so much for listening. Um, That's it for our 2020 take on Doctor Who. We'll be back again next series, giving you our 2020 vision on a whole new topic. So watch this space. You've been listening to Soof and Flow. Oh, and before we go, next season, we're going to solve all of your problems. Send us your sticky situations and dire dilemmas. Flo and I will be going and doing a whole season of advice and reflection. Please fill out the form which you'll find links in our podcast description.